sun rose and work began. Word of a better day spread throughout the people. A day free from bondage. This hope carried them through their labor. They knew their God was faithful. That he had a plan. One to set them free. To a land promised by God. To his people. For his people. A plan of redemption. But they lost focus. Turned away from the God who was faithful. Worshipped false idols. Turned back to the very culture God was rescuing them from. Turned back to their past. To bondage. So they wandered. And wandered. They began to grumble and curse the God who rescued them. They would never set foot in the land they were promised. They would never be unleashed. But God's plan perseveres despite the disobedience of his people. He waited for a new generation to rise up from the dust. One that would step out from their wandering and enter the purpose for which God was calling them. To be a nation set apart that would bring glory to him. He continues to call those courageous followers out of the desert, away from our wanderings, to be God's representatives here on earth, to be unleashed from the bondage of our past, unleashed from being brainwashed by culture, unleashed with the backbone to lead the church, unleashed with the boldness to serve the world, unleashed for the gospel. He calls his people to be unleashed. That you understand that without a shadow of a doubt that God has called us to not be lack in our relationship with him. He's not called us to be weak in our, in our devotion to him. God has called us to be powerful by his work on the cross. Amen? Amen. And it's through the blood of Jesus Christ that we've been saved. We've been speaking about this man, David. We've been speaking about Saul. And I, and I see all these pictures in scripture of, of, of what it is that we are to be as Christians. And I believe as Christians that we are called to do good works. And people say, well, are you saved by your works? You're absolutely not saved by your works. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, through his power that comes through the Holy Spirit and for the glory of God, we are called to good works. Uh, yesterday in Purim, you guys saw what happens when the churches come together and they do good works and they love their neighbor. We see what happens. And as we're looking in Scripture, God has called you and I today to be people who are being unleashed by the gospel. We are to be unleashed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. To go forth into the world and to proclaim His goodness. And that's good works whether people treat us good or not. Does everybody hear that this morning? Because you're not always going to be treated well. You're not. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you're not always going to just, people aren't going to walk up and sing your praises just because you're a Christian. And probably in this day and age and in this climate that we live in, it seems like uh, Christianity is all, as more and more people are trying to come against it. Joni and I, we were watching a documentary this week and it was, 
uh, it was on Netflix, and we were kind of thinking, well, this is interesting, and, and, and they were talking, in the, in the documentary, they were talking bad about Christianity, but trying to be nice about it, you know? They were making it sound weird that people get together and pray. They were making it sound weird that people get together and read scripture. And that's the climate that we live in. And so you and I as the church of God are called to go forth and to live a life that's pleasing to him. Whether the people around us are supportive of it or not, we are called to go forth and do good works. We are called forth to go forth and do good things. And so if you'll look here in 1 Samuel chapter 18. Now, this is interesting because I like this passage of Scripture because it does, it, it shows someone who's, who's totally opposed to someone doing good. How many of us in here this morning have felt like we're trying to do good and people oppose us in that? You're trying to do a right thing and people oppose that. Uh, yesterday morning, I mean, no, we hadn't even got started yet. And there were bad things trying to happen outside the doors of the event center. And I walked smack dab into it and got shoved around by a guy. Now why did that happen? Well, I could get mad at that guy or I could say, you know what? The devil does not like the fact that we're about to do some really good stuff in our community. And so as we're looking at this this morning, I want you to understand the very fact that in 1 Samuel 18, David probably had every reason in the world to go against Saul here. But he doesn't. Now look at these verses, starting in verse 17. It says, Saul said to David, here's my elder daughter, Merib. I will give her to you for a wife. Only be valiant for me and fight for the Lord. For Saul thought, let not my hand be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. Now it, it kind of sounds like Saul's doing something good for David here, right? Hey, here's my, here's my daughter. You can marry her. But then to the aside, he's saying, okay, I'll let the Philistines kill him. I'm not going to kill him. I'll let the Philistines kill him. Did you guys see in the video where it showed Paul, right? And Paul's like, well, I didn't kill any Christians. I was just holding people's coats. They killed Christians. I didn't kill Christians. It's the same mentality here. He goes on here and says, let not my hand be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. Verse 18. And David said to Saul, who am I? And who are my relatives my father's clan in Israel, that I should be son-in-law to the king. But at the time when Merib, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, she was given to Adriel, the Mahalathite, for a wife. Now, Saul's daughter, Michael, loved David, and they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. Saul thought, let me give her to him, that she may be a snare for him, and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Therefore Saul said to David a second time, You shall now be my son-in-law. And Saul commanded his servant, Speak to David in private and say, Behold, the king has delight in you. And all his servants love you. Now, then become the king's son-in-law. And Saul's servants spoke those words in the ears of David. And David said, does it seem to you a little thing to become the king's son-in-law since I am a poor man and have no reputation? And the servants of Saul told him, thus and so did David speak. Then Saul said, thus shall you say to David, the king desires no bride price except a hundred foreskins of the Philistines that he may be avenged of the king's enemies. And now Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. And when his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to be the king's son-in-law. Before the time had expired, and David arose and went, 
along with his men, and he killed 200 of the Philistines. And David brought their foreskins, which were given in full number to the king, that he might become the king's son-in-law. And Saul gave him his daughter, Michael, for a wife. But when Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David, and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him, Saul was even more afraid of David. So Saul was David's enemy continually. Then the commanders of the Philistines came out to battle, and as often as they came out, David had more success than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was highly esteemed. Our God, as we are here today, and we're, we're seeing this example of what it is to do good, Lord, I pray that you would give the church stamina when it comes to being a believer. That, Father, no matter what comes our way, we will continue to seek your glorification in this world. That our call is not to be happy, our call is not to be joyful in the things of this world. We are called to be joyful in your glory. Lord, may we lift you up continually all the days of our lives. And we ask this in your name. Everybody says, amen. Amen. As you're looking at this, guys, I think we, there's some points that I kind of want to gather from this. Because I believe that the Lord does not want us to be people who just do good work so that we feel good. Now, how many of y'all felt good after working yesterday at the community giveaway? Did anybody feel good? Kind of like, man, that, just, that felt great, you know? And that's good. I think good works make us feel good, right? I think I felt more tired than anything. But the thing is, is that as we finish that, our, our glory doesn't matter anything. We should be doing that in order to glorify God. David, all he wanted to do was see God lifted up. And so here he is, and, and the king comes to David and says, Here, I'll give you this, this girl, and you can marry her. And then he, he takes it back, and he gives that girl to be married to someone else. And, and even in that, he wanted to see David killed by the Philistines. Now understand, he was being equipped to go out and to fight the Philistines. And, and, I, and I think it's interesting because you kind of see who has your back in this story, right? Saul, you might think, well, man, Saul's, Saul's esteem of David. He must have really thought a lot of David to send him out to battle. Actually, Saul wanted to send David to battle so that David would be killed. But who had, got, who had his back all along? It was God, wasn't it? And church, I want to tell you something. You, you can look for the esteem of people around you, or you can look for the esteem of God. Is God behind you? Absolutely, he is as a Christian. God is behind you, and he's pushing you. And so we don't look for the, uh, the approval of men. We look for the approval of God. That is the most important thing that you can seek in this life. It's the approval of God himself. And through all of this, you know, uh, so all this comes around again, and, and Saul's like, well, I'll give you another, another bride. You can marry my, my, my other daughter, Michael. And that one goes through, but all along, Saul is just wanting to see David killed because it says he was scared of him. And you even see the fact that he, he says that, you know, he was his enemy continually. Do you have any enemies that are your enemies continually? He, David had that, right? And I, and I think if, I was, if somebody was my enemy... By human standards, by, by our societal standards today, if somebody's my enemy, then I write them off. You know, as a church, you need to quit writing people off. Does everybody hear that? That's not popular today. 
So if anybody's on social media any amount of time, it's, I always see these posts and they say, you know, well, if, someone, if someone cuts you or someone hurts you, then you cut them off and you don't have anything to do with them anymore. That's not what we're called to as Christians. Are you not glad that Jesus Christ didn't cut us off before the cross? Jesus Christ loved us so much that we, we, we did everything despicable in the face of God. Our sin separated us from God, but Jesus went to the cross for us. And if there are negative people in your life, if there are people in your life who are causing you problems, continue to love them. Continue to do good. David continued to do good things in the sight of Saul. He went out because here's the truth. Was David really fighting for Saul? I mean, in a roundabout way, he was. But honestly, I think when we look at the entire life of David, and the description that God gives of David, David was a man after what? God's own heart. Everything that David did was for the glory of God. And it didn't matter if Saul was trying to kill him or not. And, and over the next few chapters, you see time and time again, I mean, Saul had some real mental issue, I think, here. He was, he was blowing hot and cold all the time. Here in a, few, in a few chapters, we see where you know, David sees him on the battlefield and, and they're at a distance from each other because David's kind of learning his lesson because this guy's been trying to throw spears at him and pin him to the wall. And, and he's looking across and, and, and Saul's like, oh, my son David, you know. Then a few verses later, he's trying to kill him again. David's learning his lesson, but the thing is, is that David never stopped doing what was right. And my dad, he used to always tell Daniel, Daniel, do the right thing. I remember as a young man, I'd go out just like teens do, right? I'm going to go out, I'm going to drive around 12th Street in Moore, Oklahoma, and I'm going to go have some fun. And before I'd walk out the door, every time, Dad would say, hey, do the right thing. Remember your name. Remember who you are in Christ. Do the right thing. And that stuck in my head when I'd go out. Now, I didn't always do the right thing, by the way. But to this day, I remember that that is the importance of our Christian walk is that we should always strive to do good. Does everybody hear that? We should always strive to do good. When you see this, this passage of scripture, David, you never see him uh, try to strike back at the king. You never see him try to kill the king or knock down the king. And understand, at this point, David had already been anointed king of Israel. Does everybody remember that? Samuel had already anointed him. He was already king, and, 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 and for all intents and purposes, he was already the king here. But the truth of the matter is, is that he never would go against God's anointed. He says, I'll let God sort this out. And if you think that you have the right to go out here and cut people off, or to be rude to people because they've been mean to you, you're not looking at it as God would have us look at it. Let God sort them out, Amen. Let God sort these people out. I, I, that's not our job. We're not called to that. That's why I think so much of the time our, our political environment, our social environment here in America, people are too busy arguing over walls and they're too busy arguing over all this to see real problems. They're too busy to see that. You know, the truth of the matter is we do have people in our, in our world who are suffering. Not to get political this morning, but you know, we have people trying to get to our nation, not because we're a terrible nation, but because they want freedom. And we can get political, and I understand there needs to be order. I, I agree with that. I guess I'm always kind of the guy that's right there in the middle, you know. I'm just one way, I'm not one way or the other. But, but, but when it really comes down to it, as the church, what are we doing to help people who are in need? We help people this weekend, and some of us will go an entire year until next year before we do anything good again. 
Well, I helped out with the clothing drive. That's all I have to do for another year. No. We're called to help all kinds of people. Our missions group is important not because, well, we're going to go on a mission trip and because, man, honestly, sometimes mission trips are fun. You go to another country, it's exciting. There's a, there's a rush that comes to going into the jungle. I've done that, you know, and I've, I've seen that. And it, there's a joy in that. But honestly, we don't do good works to make ourselves feel good. We do good works in order that God is glorified. And church, hear me this morning. I believe God is glorified when we help those that are in need. God is glorified when we stop pleasing ourselves. We stop seeking what we want, what we desire on our own personal level, and we help people around us. We understand our calling is to reach all people despite the trials that we may be facing. We don't stop helping people because it gets rough. Man, yesterday, again, there was that little outbreak. It was almost a brawl. You guys, if y'all have ever heard of a, you know, Black Friday fights, we kind of had a situation like that yesterday. I mean, I'll just be honest with you. This happened, at, at, and, and, and praise the Lord, we were able to defuse it, and everything was okay. Because that's not the picture we wanted for our community. Well, those people, they just go down there and fight, you know. But the thing is, is that as, as we were there, I, I saw that, that the enemy himself was trying to, to, to give us a bad name. But we didn't stop doing the, the clothing drive yesterday just because people were being dishonest or being mean to each other. No matter what trials that you face, continue to do good. We are called to always be mindful of our call to live a life pleasing to and glorifying of God. We're called to that. Church, don't forget that. Before we get lost in, in the society, we get lost in the politics of the moment, let us remember that we as Christians are called to do good works. Does everybody hear that this morning? I'm going to say it about a million more times because, guys, that's what it comes down to. When Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, I think he meant that. I think he meant that. That was a, you know, it, it, some people, they'll use it in wrong ways sometimes but when you look at the entirety of scripture Jesus wanted us to love people because he did he wants us to to love people because that's exactly what he did the next time you want to throw rocks or stones at someone remember that Jesus died for that person too remember that Jesus went to the cross for that person's soul as well and as a believer in Jesus Christ you are called alongside him in the work of redemption in this world God is a God of redemption, amen? We know that. We know that. One of these days, all tears will be wiped away. How many of y'all are ready for that day? I'm tired of tears. People die, people get sick, all this horrible stuff that happens in the world. And you guys understand, I love life, by the way. This is a wonderful life. I've got, I've got a wonderful family. I have, I have kids that are amazing. Even though you got to change diapers sometimes and you got to get up early in the morning or people have meltdowns or whatever. We have all this stuff going on in our family lives sometimes. But the truth of the matter is, is that God is good and he's good all the time. So we continue in good works and, and, and we understand that our call is to do good works. And we do this by the power of the Holy Spirit. We do it through the sacrifice of Jesus at Calvary. We do it for the glory of of God. You and you guys do good works. Remember that. It's for God's glory. It's not for mine. I don't get up and preach week in and week out. You guys you understand how many years have we been how many years I've been here now? I'm trying to think. Is it 15? 15 this month. 15 years I've been in ministry at this church. And and there's been times when I would even walk in the door and it wasn't always a friendly environment. Believe that or not, but it's true. 
There were people that were just kind of like, I don't know. By and large, everybody, when I walk in here, they're just like, oh, Daniel, you're amazing. No, they don't. But But God's work is what we seek to do in this world. Amen? And whatever it is that God's calling you to, man, I want his workers. Y'all just do it for the good of the kids and for the glory of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by Christ's work on the cross. That's why we do it. That's why we seek this. Awanas is important. Sunday school is important. Sunday mornings are important. All of this is important because it gives glory to God. It has nothing to do with Daniel or First Baptist Quorum. It has everything to do with lifting Jesus up. And so when we're here today, we see this picture that David continued to do good, not for his glory, but for the glory of God. A.W. Tozer says this, and I I didn't put it up on here, so you guys just listen up. A.W. Tozer says this. He says, God is speaking. How many of you believe that? Okay, well, listen to this quote. A.W. Tozer, big theologian, amazing writer, uh, in his book, Pursuit of God, he says this, God is speaking. Not God spoke, but God is speaking. He is by nature continuously speaking articulate. Does everybody hear that? Okay. He fills the world with his speaking voice. God didn't just speak, but he's still speaking. That today in the church today, he's speaking to you today. As we've read scripture, God is speaking to you. He's crying out to you. You know, in the, in the old uh, Hebrew tradition, and you see it um, you know, like in the book of Solomon, the Song of Solomon, and all those, those passages of scripture, where, where the wisest man that ever lived, he says this. He says that wisdom cries out in the street. You guys remember these verses. He talks about wisdom. And guys, this isn't just wisdom for wisdom's sake. When he's, when, actually, what they're talking about here is actually the voice of God, the work of God. John, in, in, in the book of John, we read where it says, in the beginning was the what? The Word. And the Word was God. Okay, we, we, get, we can get so religious about the Bible. Okay, a few years ago, everybody, they were putting the Ten Commandments up, and we're getting the Bible back in school and all this. We can make the Bible a religion and miss the fact that God makes the Bible holy. The, 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 the Bible doesn't make God holy. God makes the Bible holy. And it's the Word of God. It's a living thing. It wasn't something that was past. It, it's not just a history book. It's actually who God is. That's why the Bible is so holy to us, so sacred to us, so enduring to us. It's not because it's just a book that's holy. I own books that are old from a long time ago, way back in the 70s, you know, a long time ago, right? That doesn't seem that long ago anymore. But I do have some books that are like from the 1800s and, you know, uh, uh, early 1900s, and these old Bibles and stuff. I just, I just think it's interesting to me to have these old books and um, all the history that's in that. But those books were written a long time ago. But don't think of the Bible as just an old book. It's actually who God is. What it stands for, what it represents is a God that's still speaking today. Does everybody hear that? God is still speaking to his church today. God, it's not spoken and that's it, right? Do you remember when you were a kid and your mom had it up to here with you? And she's like, I've spoken, you know? <laughs> if my mom said, I'm, I've spoken, that was a scary moment in Daniel's life. But the truth of the matter is, is that God is still speaking to us today. Scripture teaches us that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and 
forever. And if he spoke then, guess what he's doing today? He's still speaking. He's still calling people. I believe in this, in this body of believers here, just in our church, a lot of great churches in town, but, but the thing is, just in our church, God is calling people to do ministry. God is calling people to do good works. God is calling people to step up. And not to base it on your feelings, not to base it on how people treat you, but to base it on the fact that we're going to give glory to God. Now, to wrap up this morning, I want you guys to look at Hebrews chapter 13. Man, this, this is kind of, you know, if God's speaking, then are we listening? That's the question we need to ask today. Are you listening to God today? Man, last night, um, we sat around the table and we played some Scrabble and ate chocolate cake. It was a wonderful night. And, and I, after it was over, Joni's like, hey, let's go to bed. And I was like, well, I still, I just need to study. She's like, okay, okay. So I go and I'm studying, and I really, I begin praying to God about some things. And, and I, I found myself just being quiet. The TV was on, uh, Andy Griffith was on. And I even killed Andy Griffith, you know? And I, and I, and I, I turned it off. I didn't kill Andy Griffith. I turned the TV off. I wouldn't do that, man. Not at all. Because he's already dead. Never mind. Okay. But I turned the TV off, and, and, I, and, I, and I, I sat there, and I was just listening to God. Last week, we spoke uh, on our mission group about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit is, is there to empower us and to teach us. And, and that, that a lot of times in the church that we kind of forget the Holy Spirit because it's scary or, you know, we, we, we don't, I don't know, it's just, it's foreign to us. But honestly, for the believer, the Holy Spirit should not be foreign to you because he's the one that's empowering you to do the work of God. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, God, would you just speak to me? Would you just speak to me? I don't want to just get up and, and, and preach a sermon tomorrow just to fill time and air. But God, I want to preach a sermon that gives glory to you, that directs people to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. That's what I want to do. And as I'm sitting there in my chair and it's comfortable and I'm thinking, God, you're speaking to me. I heard in my heart the fact that we're called to continue on. And God called the attention in my mind, something that had happened yesterday. I had a man stick his finger in my chest. <laughs> I had a man push me aside. And I was still harboring a little bit of like, oh, I just, you know, if I could have went back, maybe I just punched him and just, you know, I could have taken him. You guys ever been there before? Everything's good. I, I had chocolate cake. My wife fixed Eggplant Parmesan, you know, it was a wonderful night. I took a nap yesterday But in my heart I was still harboring ill feelings to a fellow believer To a fellow person Someone who Jesus died for God's like you you gotta you gotta get that out of your heart Daniel You can't harbor that You can't keep that in because it will corrupt you. It will, it will keep you from glorifying God. And so are we listening this morning? I listened last night and I, I praise God for those moments where the Holy Spirit of God speaks to me and corrects what, you know, I think I've got everything right, you know. And we did. We helped people yesterday. But even in my sinful nature, which we all have, it's, we hold back these things sometimes and we miss the opportunity to continue to grow. And I pray that with that enlightenment last night, that God will continue to grow your pastor. 
that he'll continue to grow your husband and your dad. Because I don't want to be the same. I want to continue to progress and to do better. Not for my glory, or not even for your glory, church, but for the glory of God. So what does the word say? Hebrews chapter one, uh, 13. Hebrews 13. Look at this verse, this passage here. Hebrews chapter 13. And, and man, it's just interesting to me because as we are, as we are turning to this, you know, it, it's amazing to me that so much of the time we miss it. Hebrews chapter 13, looking at verse 1 here. Let brotherly love continue. Does everybody see that? Let that soak in for a moment. Let brotherly love continue. You guys are in a, a safe place this morning. Amen? You got people around you that they're, they're your fellow believers in Jesus Christ. They're the ones that, that have go to the trenches with you. And we, and we fight the good fight together. And it's easy for love to endure here. Most of the time. It's easy for love to endure here. It's easy for these things to go on here. But God is calling us to let brotherly love continue how often? All of the time. And we're called to that all of the time. And so we do not need to neglect in doing good and being faithful to God. How many people, how many people are married today? How many people are married? Raise your hand. Right? This is why I think... This is why I think this is important that we do studies together as married couples. Because guess what? We all go through stuff. But if you were only faithful 10% of the time, how many of you would still be married? Let's go. Let's say you were faithful 99.9% of the time. Would it change anything? It wouldn't. There would still be problems in your relationship with your wife or your husband, right? Right? But when it comes to God, we think that well, we can be 99.9% faithful to God. And we can be 70.1% faithful to God. And we can be 10% faithful to God. Somehow that's okay. Now I understand. We got people in our church. They show up 10% out of the year. I had a guy tell me years ago, well, I don't need to come to church on Sunday night to the Bible study. I, I come on Sunday morning. That's, that's all I need. That's all you need? I just need a little bit of Jesus. I don't, and I, I understand we can get to heaven on that. I, I agree. I think theologically that's a sound statement that it's by believing in our heart and confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. I think that's how, what we're saved by. But I think as a believer in Jesus Christ, you should want more of Jesus because he's fundamentally changed you. Does everybody hear that? You are fundamentally changed by the blood of Jesus Christ and you're no longer the same. You're a new creature in Christ and so you desire to do good. You desire to have more of Jesus. You desire to know more Christians. You desire to go forth and to give God glory. David, man, he could have just said, well, I just want a little bit of God. I'll go kill a hundred Philistines. And understand, Saul asked David to do a very disgusting thing. You guys know what foreskins are, right? I don't want to go into details about this. Some kid's going to be, I don't know what a foreskin is. Okay, go talk to mom and dad. I'm not explaining that one. It's not, it's not in my job description. But, but the king of the nation goes to this man and he says, okay, you can have my wife. And instead of paying a dowry or whatever, um, and David's probably like, oh, what's he going to say? You know, 10 years of service. I want you to go cut the foreskin of 200 Philistines off. Some of us won't even get up and go to church. 
Some of us won't volunteer when people are asking for volunteers for ministries within the church. You would think we were asking you, well, we want you to help with the Awanas this year, but we need 200 foreskins. You need to bring that to us um, by next Sunday. Some of you are like, that's disgusting. It is disgusting, but do you see the word picture here? God's not asking us to do the, the most deplorable thing you can imagine in this world. He's just calling us to come with a heart that he will empower to do good works. Does everybody see that this morning? Man, it's so, so good. So let brotherly love continue. Verse 2, it says, do not neglect to show hospitality to who? To strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. And that's a whole other study, right? I think God does, you know, it, that we may be entertaining angels at times. I was reminded yesterday that maybe that was an angel that pushed me in the chest. I don't think it was. It's probably a demon. But some, you know, but I have to remember that in my heart of hearts that, man, maybe God is trying to grow me through this time. He goes on, he says, remember those who are in what? In prison. As though in prison with them and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. You know, when we're looking at this passage of scripture, the writers here had actually been in prison. How many of you have been in prison before? There may very well have been someone in here that's been in prison. I, I've never been there. I've done ministry in prison. Um, I've worked construction in a prison. There were some guards thought it'd be funny to lock me in a cell while I was... You know, doing some waterproofing in a cell one day, and they thought it was funny. Oh, and they shut all the gates and doors and everything. The cell. But you know, guys, we are called to help people. We are called to love people who can't help themselves. We are called to be the light of the world. Verse four says, "Let marriage be held in honor among all. Let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge." The sexually immoral and the adulterous. Is it important to love those around us, to love the ones that God has given us? It is. It is important. We love those outside of our circle of influence, outside of our friendships, outside of our church walls. We love those people, but guys, we have got to love each other. Husbands, love your wives. Christ has loved the church. Wives, we've got to love our families. Gotta be people who love each other, take care of each other, no matter what. Because here's the thing, Johnny will agree. <laughs> Daniel's not always easy to live with. I understand that. She still loves me. So we love people no matter what comes back at us. Keep your life free from the love of money, and be content with what you have. For he said, "I will never leave you or forsake you." So we love those outside. We love those inside. And guys, we have got to love ourselves enough to grow our faith. And how do we grow our faith? By hearing the Word of God, by reading the Word of God, by study. Is it important to read your Bible? Absolutely it is. Every day. Every day read your Bible. Why? So we can confidently say this. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Now stop there just for a moment. I want you to think about that for a moment. We love people outside of our circle we love people within our circle, and we love ourselves enough to grow our faith. Why? So that we can give glory to God. Why? Because the Lord is our helper. How many of you guys look to God as your helper daily? You should, because we don't have to fear. And if he is our helper, we don't have to fear. And we can say, I will not fear. What can man do to me? What can man do to me? 
Church, this morning as we have come here today, I want you to hear the call. And our musicians, as you guys come forward, just kind of play a little chorus here if you don't mind. I want you guys to think for a moment about who God has placed in your heart, who God has placed in your circle, who God is who's placed just outside of your circle, so to speak. And I don't understand, I'm not saying that we need to have clicks or anything like that, but we are called to minister, to love, to do good works to those that are in need, to those in our circle, and guys, to grow our personal relationship with Jesus. What I love about small groups, what I love about the church is that it hits all of those areas. A healthy church is reaching the community, amen? Otherwise, we're just a social club. That's all we are. A healthy family is one that gives glory to God in all things. It's more than blood. And guys, a healthy believer in Jesus Christ lifts him up and seeks his will in their life or her life each and every day. Would you pray with me, God, as we go into this time of just reflection, Lord, I pray that you would draw people that might need to pray. 